Today we have Chapter 3 of The Trumpet of the Swan by E.B. White. Chapter 3 is called A Visitor. One day, almost a week later, the swan slipped quietly into her nest and laid an egg. Each day she tried to deposit one egg in the nest. Sometimes she succeeded, sometimes she didn't. There were now three eggs, and she was ready to lay a fourth. As she sat there, with her husband, the cob, floating gracefully nearby, she had a strange feeling that she was being watched. It made her uneasy. Birds don't like to be stared at. They particularly dislike being stared at when they are on a nest. So the swan twisted and turned and peered everywhere. She gazed intently at the point of land that jutted out into the pond near the nest. With her sharp eyes, she searched the nearby shore for signs of an intruder. What she finally saw gave her the surprise of her life. There, seated on a log on the point of land, was a small boy. He was being very quiet, and he had no gun. "'Do you see what I see?' the swan whispered to her husband. "'No, what?' "'Over there, on that log. It's a boy. Now what are we going to do?' "'How did a boy get here?' whispered the cob. "'We are deep in the wilds of Canada. There are no human beings for miles around.' "'That's what I thought, too,' she replied. "'But if that isn't a boy over there on that log, my name isn't Cygnus Buccinator.' The cob was furious. "'I didn't fly all the way north into Canada to get involved with a boy,' he said. "'We came here to this idyllic spot, this remote little hideaway, so we could enjoy some well-deserved privacy.' "'Well,' said his wife, "'I'm sorry to see the boy, too, but I must say he's behaving himself. He sees us, but he's not throwing stones. He's not throwing sticks. He's not messing around. He's simply observing.' "'I do not wish to be observed,' complained the cob. "'I did not travel all this immense distance into the heart of Canada to be observed. "'Furthermore, I don't want you to be observed except by me. "'You're laying an egg, that is, I hope you are, and you're entitled to privacy. "'It has been my experience that all boys throw stones and sticks. "'It is their nature. "'I'm going over and strike that boy with my powerful wing, "'and he'll think he has been hit with a billy-club. "'I'll knock him cold.' "'Now just wait a minute,' said the swan. "'There's no use starting a fight. "'This boy is not bothering me at the moment. "'He's not bothering you either.' "'But how did he get here?' said the cob, "'who was no longer talking in a whisper, "'but was beginning to shout. "'How did he get here? "'Boys can't fly, and there are no roads in this part of Canada. "'We're fifty miles from the nearest highway.' "'Maybe he's lost,' said the swan. "'Maybe he's starving to death. "'Maybe he wants to rob the nest and eat the eggs.' "'But I doubt it. He doesn't look hungry. "'Anyway, I've started this nest, and I have three beautiful eggs, "'and the boy's behaving himself at the moment, "'and I intend to go right ahead and try for a fourth egg.' "'Good luck, my love,' said the cob. "'I shall be here at your side to defend you if anything happens. "'Lay the egg.' "'For the next hour the cob paddled slowly round and around the tiny island, "'keeping watch. "'His wife remained quietly on the nest.' Sam sat on his log, hardly moving a muscle. He was spellbound at the sight of the swans. They were the biggest water-birds he had ever seen. He had heard their trumpeting, and had searched the woods and swamps until he had found the pond and located the nest. Sam knew enough about birds to know that these were trumpeters. 
Sam always felt happy when he was in a wild place among wild creatures. Sitting on his log, watching the swans, he had the same good feeling some people get when they are sitting in church. After he had watched for an hour, Sam got up. He walked slowly and quietly away, putting one foot straight ahead of the other, Indian fashion, hardly making a sound. The swans watched him go. When the female left the nest, she turned and looked back. There, lying safely in the soft feathers at the bottom of the nest, was the fourth egg. The cob waddled out onto the island and looked in the nest. A masterpiece, he said, an egg of supreme beauty and perfect proportions. I would say that that egg is almost five inches in length. His wife was pleased. When the swan had laid five eggs, she felt satisfied. She gazed at them proudly. Then she settled herself on the nest to keep her eggs warm. Carefully she reached down with her bill and poked each egg until it was in just the right spot to receive the heat from her body. The cob cruised around close by to keep her company and protect her from enemies. He knew that a fox prowled somewhere in the woods. He had heard him barking on nights when the hunting was good. Days passed, and still the swan sat quietly on the five eggs. Nights passed. She sat and sat, giving her warmth to the eggs. No one disturbed her. The boy was gone. Perhaps he would never come back. Inside of each egg something was happening that she couldn't see. A little swan was taking shape. As the weeks went by, the days grew longer, the nights grew shorter. When a rainy day came, the swan just sat still and let it rain. "'My dear,' said her husband, the cob, one afternoon, "'do you never find your duties onerous or irksome? "'Do you never tire of sitting in one place and in one position, "'covering the eggs, with no diversions, no pleasures, "'no escapades or capers? "'Do you never suffer from boredom?' "'No,' replied his wife, "'not really.' "'Isn't it uncomfortable to sit on eggs?' "'Yes, it is,' replied the wife, "'but I can put up with a certain amount of discomfort "'for the sake of bringing young swans into the world.' "'Do you know how many more days you must sit?' he asked. "'Haven't any idea,' she said, "'but I notice that the ducks at the other end of the pond "'have hatched their young ones. "'I notice that the red-winged blackbirds have hatched theirs, "'and the other evening I saw a striped skunk hunting along the shore, "'and she had four little skunks with her. "'So I think I must be getting near the end of my time.' "'With any luck we will soon be able to see our children, "'our beautiful little signets. "'Don't you ever feel the pangs of hunger "'or suffer the tortures of thirst?' asked the cob. "'Yes, I do,' said his mate. "'As a matter of fact, I could use a drink right now.' "'The afternoon was warm, the sun was bright. "'The swan decided she could safely leave her eggs for a few minutes. "'She stood up. First she pushed some loose feathers around the eggs, hiding them from view and giving them a warm covering in her absence. Then she stepped off the nest and entered the water. She took several quick drinks. Then she glided over to a shallow place, thrust her head under water, and pulled up tender greens from the bottom. She next took a bath by tossing water over herself. Then she waddled out onto a grassy bank and stood there, preening her feathers. The swan felt good. She had no idea that an enemy was near. She failed to notice the red fox as he watched her from his hiding-place behind a clump of bushes. The fox had been attracted to the pond by the sound of splashing water. He hoped he would find a goose. Now he sniffed the air and smelled the swan. 
Her back was turned, so he began creeping slowly toward her. She would be too big for him to carry, but he decided he would kill her anyway and get a taste of blood. The cob, her husband, was still floating on the pond. He spied, <clears throat> he spied the fox first. Look out, he trumpeted. Look out for the fox who is creeping toward you even as I speak, his eyes bright, his bushy tail out straight, his mind lusting for blood, his belly almost touching the ground. You are in grave danger and we must act immediately. While the cob was making this elegant speech of warning, something happened that surprised everybody. Just as the fox was about to spring and sink his teeth in the swan's neck, a stick came hurtling through the air. It struck the fox full on the nose, and he turned and ran away. The two swans couldn't imagine what had happened. Then they noticed a movement in the bushes. Out stepped Sam Beaver, the boy who had visited them a month ago. Sam was grinning. In his hand he held another stick, in case the fox should return. But the fox was in no mood to return. He had a very sore nose, and he had lost his appetite for a fresh swan. Hello, said Sam in a low voice. Coho, coho, replied the cob. Coho, said his wife. The pond rang with the trumpet sounds, sounds of triumph over the fox, sounds of victory and gladness. Sam was thrilled at the noise of swans, which some people say is like the sound of a French horn. He walked slowly around the shore to the little point of land near the island and sat down on his log. The swans now realized, beyond any doubt, that the boy was their friend. He had saved the swan's life. He had been in the right place at the right time and with the right ammunition. The swans felt grateful. The cob swam over toward Sam, climbed out of the pond, and stood close to the boy, looking at him in a friendly way and arching his neck gracefully. Once he ran his neck far out cautiously and almost touched the boy. Sam never moved a muscle. His heart thumped from excitement and joy. The female paddled back to her nest and returned to the job of warming the eggs. She felt lucky to be alive. That night, before Sam crawled into his bunk at camp, he got out his notebook and found a pencil. This is what he wrote I don't know of anything in the entire world more wonderful to look at than a nest with eggs in it. An egg, because it contains life, is the most perfect thing there is. It is beautiful and mysterious. An egg is a far finer thing than a tennis ball or a cake of soap. A tennis ball will always be just a tennis ball. A cake of soap will always be just a cake of soap until it gets so small nobody wants it and they throw it away. But an egg will some day be a living creature. A swan's egg will open and out will come a little swan. A nest is almost as wonderful and mysterious as an egg. How does a bird know how to make a nest? Nobody ever taught her. How does a bird know how to build a nest? Sam closed his notebook, said good night to his father, blew out his lamp, and climbed into his bunk. He lay there wondering how a bird knows how to build a nest. Pretty soon his eyes closed, and he was asleep. And that's the end of chapter three. See you next time.